Cheers. Cheers. I'm Kana. I'm Ambi. And welcome to DiplomacyGames.com. The, the Diplomacy Games podcast. Yes. About diplomacy. Yeah, Funny I'm, that. I'm already half into my cups. Um. <laughs> so listeners would be very familiar with the fact that there hasn't been any episodes for quite a long while. Um, we do absolutely sincerely apologise for that. Yes, sorry. We've had like a lot going on outside of the diplomacy environment, which is kind of in a lot of cases, prevented us from getting together and getting clatter. Yeah, and it's been a long time, and it's well, you know, it's, it's the, the beer tastes better though, doesn't it? Like, oh, well, my wine does too, even though it's a very ordinary wine. Yeah. What have you got? I'm on the 150 lashes. Which is, you know, a good, good. It's a good sta- bog standard. It's, it's a good, good two, good two supply centre opening. It's a good, yes, exactly. <laughs> two supply centre opening. And your yeah. wine? Mine is a two supply centre opening too. Yeah, 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 yeah nice. Um, <laughs> or, you know, or maybe just, yeah, just two supply centre opening. Expected. Uh, mine is a Wins the Gables uh, Cab Sav, so, mm. which sounds fancier than it actually is. Okay. Um, and and we're, we're, we're drinking at uh, the By George Bar, which is uh, the bar that serves um, one of the levels of the Treasury Casino in Brisbane. Yes, so it's been hundred and whatever episodes we've done and we've never actually gone to the casino before. No, uh, you know, like all casinos, it's a bit of a maze to find your way to, to actually get in here, but we got here eventually. And more of a maze to try to get out. <laughs> well, it'd be harder as you drink more, I think. Um, but nonetheless... Well, we'll have to work um, on that. We'll, yeah, we'll work we'll, on... We'll, we'll, we'll work kind on of put that... Making it we'll test that. Out. Yeah, we'll test it. <laughs> yes. Um, right, but we, you know, even though we haven't actually caught up face-to-face for a bit... Um, to do our recordings. We have um, managed to uh, do a really interesting interview, which will be the centerpiece for today's podcast. Um, actually, it's one that I'm... I think you said it really well. It's... It's, um, it's an element of the... of diplomacy, of, of interacting in a face-to-face environment that is... It may not actually be uh, apparent, but it really plays a really important part in the um, in the in the diplomatic space. You know, because you're at all times like you're you're, ta- you're not only listening to what people are saying, but it's a level of like the level of body language that plays a role in whether or not you're uh, willing to trust or to listen or to be receptive to people's um, suggestions to you. So I might be, you know, I, I might be Germany and I'm talking to you as France Ambi and, yep. you know, if I'm not coming across as a genuine person, no matter how I might be saying it, you might be picking up on body language cues which to you would read disingenuous and you're much less likely to trust me in a game of diplomacy. Absolutely. And look, there's before we kind of get into too much detail, so our, our, um, our podcast interview is with Tracy Brown. So Tracy is a leading expert on, as Kata said, body language. Um, but particularly, uh, her, her focus, I find enthralling, is her, 
a lot of the work that she does, both with her training, with her speaking, and also with direct, you know, being um, engaged by companies, is around detecting fraudulent activity. Yes. Effectively, when people are not doing, well, they're lying or, you know, they're up to no good, and being able to train people and, and support them through that journey to work out when that's going on. And, you know, there are no more fraudulent activists in the world than diplomacy players, I think. Oh, I, I don't think fraudulent Maybe is not fraudulent. the right word. Okay, but, but, correction. But deceptive. De- okay, yes, think? yes, yes. Do yeah. I need to go back and edit that? No, 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 no. <laughs> No, 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 no. But you know, I mean, her work like there's work in the fraudulent space. But um, look, I think I think we shouldn't really talk too much ahead of ourselves, um, given that we're just about to throw across the interview. Other than to say that if you um, like us, are very interested in um, hearing what a body language expert has to say and can bring to the table for our great game of diplomacy. Um, you know, and and this isn't just a someone who has. You know, just just read a few pop knowledge books about body language. This is someone who sat on twenty-two billion-dollar real estate deals. Yeah. You know, to, to try and detect fraudulent or deceptive, deceptive behaviour yeah, on the sure. other team, on yes. the other side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, really worth the listen. And um, you know, I hope you guys get a lot out of it because we sure did. And we'll talk to you on the other side, eh? Sounds good. All right. Tracy Brown, thank you so much for joining us on the Diplomacy Games podcast. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. No, no, no problem at all. Hey, look, I, I came across your details. I was, I was looking online for a number of different uh, other podcast hosts, and both both Kayra and I had, had a conversation uh, previously around what are some of the skills that diplomacy players need to kind of be aware of, particularly now as we're increasingly moving into a, a world where we live with COVID. Um, and we're moving back from playing the game purely online to back to its roots, which is more a face-to-face format. And one of the key things that really kind of stood out to me uh, when I went to a recent uh, tournament was the fact that you're constantly looking and interacting with your players. You're looking at the way that they're speaking, their level of interaction, all those type of things just yelled at me. We really need to get an expert on who has actually got expertise in body language but particularly, and this is where your your skills, I think, are especially of interest to our audience, uh, a body language specialist who um, basically has an expertise in fraud detection and mm-hmm. when people are lying and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, to kind of give you some context, Tracy, uh, the game diplomacy, we usually get together about seven people. Um, if you imagine a, a map of, of um, Europe just before World War I kicks off, it basically tries to reproduce that dynamic that existed at the time where every single player is representing a particular country. Uh, and from that perspective, what we do is we tend to kind of you know negotiate and, and make arrangements with each other. But the only way you can actually win the game is by eliminating people and, dare I say, you know, stabbing them in the back. Um, mm. So from that point of view, you're always constantly looking at the way that people behave, what they're telling you, what they might be telling others, and, and they're signalling. Um, so from that perspective, um, again, this is where I think some of that uh, expertise that you've got comes in, into play. Um, how did you actually get involved in um, you know, the actual the environment of, of, of body language um, expertise and particularly in the fraud detection space? Uh, well, the I'm going to tell you the story that takes 
a little longer. <laughs> so that's all right. Uh, back in the day, this is this is my what third career actually. Uh, my first career was that I was a professional bike racer, and everybody knows one of my teammates. His name was Lance, and um, it, he was one of those guys that well. Uh, for one, it, it, that was just happen, happenstance. We both grew up in Dallas, same bike shop team, uh, and we were on Team USA at the same time. Uh, and through through bike racing, I learned to watch people's little bitty movements and understand what was going to happen next. And he was one of the people that was pushing the pace that I needed to be able to keep up with. So, uh, but at, at, and, and so that that's how I learned to read little micro movements and start to understand how important things were that people were broadcasting all the time, exactly what was on their mind, and exactly what was going to happen next. Uh, he happens to be also a textbook liar. So um, back in the day, you know, we we all of us we just thought we had a hunch about what was going on. Um, and it turns out, you know, looking back, the signs were all there. I just didn't know what to look for. And so uh, fast forward a little bit, and I get into the mental aspect of cycling. And I ended up uh, having a lot of luck with NLP and hypnosis. And, and I went out and got trained in it. And I actually saw clients myself for years and years. And I learned uh, like a more clinical, uh, I guess, scientific uh, way to read people like through that study. And I got really good at it. And then... Um, I started doing a lot of speaking and people really gravitated towards the lie detection piece of my programs. And I started focusing on that and that helped me uh, and uh, uh, to where I've ended up training alongside some of our country's top law enforcement. So FBI, police, Green Berets, people I believe couldn't tell me they were in the CIA. That's the American spy department, I guess. <laughs> and and uh, anyway, so I don't actually have the stomach to do law enforcement uh, on any kind of full-time basis, uh, but I've taken those skills and figured out that, wait a minute, uh, there's there's a lot of money at stake all the time, and people are always wanting to know the truth in uh, not only sales uh, situations, but also um, insurance groups, uh, financial groups, uh, safety situations, safety investigations. So that's what I do. And, and I help take, take those tools from, from that law enforcement into the business world so that people can, can find the truth. And the biggest, um, fraud I've helped stop, like we were able to stop it as it was taking place, uh, 22 million. And so that's, that's pretty big. The biggest sales deal I've helped on because uh, sales teams will embed me in their team to understand what's going on, especially in um, commercial real estate and things like that, where the assets are really big. You don't know if they're going to sell it to you or not. And you know, there's jockeying around and things like that. Uh, the biggest one of those is the asset everybody knows. And uh, that was $9 billion. So I helped on 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 that one to find the truth. So so that that's, that's what I do. Mostly I do keynotes. Um, and I do uh, I do investigations when I'm called on. 
Wow. I think before we started um, talking, I gave some context around the typical diplomacy player and how there's a nature of those who are um, very uh, getting into it. They're quite young. They haven't quite got a lot of expertise when it comes to social interactions um, other than maybe during high school or during um, college. Um, but, and then we have those who are kind of come back into it more from a professional level. And I said at the time, we tend to have, uh, unfortunately, way too many lawyers in our community. And it's interesting <laughs> from what you were saying there, we've also got a number of, um, you know, corporate level sales people mm-hmm. as well. So I think what I'd like to probably do, if we could just for maybe the next um, few minutes, is just to kind of park those experts aside for a moment. We'll come back to them. But for those um, people who are still just trying to, you know, get their heads around, you know, when they're engaging with somebody, whether it's in a game of diplomacy or whether they're just out and about just having normal social interactions with mm-hmm. people. But that's, the diplomacy thing is obviously quite important because that's when people tend to be duplicitous. Um, you know, what are the, the really just the basic things that someone should be looking for um, just to kind of become more attuned at a, at a very basic level around, you know, when somebody is is signalling that maybe they're not being 100% accurate or, or, or upfront with you? Well, the most basic thing, and I talk about this in my keynotes, is uh, for Western folks, right? Uh, so Asia does not count, right, in this. Uh, when, when they nod their head yes... Right. That now that means yes. When they shake their head left to right, that means no. You got to believe the body first. Take the words with a grain of salt. Now this works great for a direct yes or no question. And I think in any kind of game, it's important to understand how you structure your questions to get the answer that you want, or or, or so that you can reveal, so that secrets can be revealed. Right. So. Um, it, you got to believe the body first, take the words with a grain of salt. So if someone uh, nods their head yes and says, nope, <laughs> right? so that doesn't work. And, and I had someone do that to me and we were playing a little uh, little game in my keynote the other day. I was up here in Vail for an insurance company and and that's what they did. And I'm like, look, you just did it. You, like, you can't stop it, right? Or, or if someone um, shakes their head and says something like, um, you can ask me anything. <laughs> right? So, so you want to start to see that stuff um, as it happens, and believe the body first. Believe the body first. Now, that's for that's great for a direct yes or no question. When questions get longer, or answers get longer, or more intricate, as you uh, may describe them, uh, the thing you got to understand is that you got to get people's baseline. Okay, you gotta you gotta see how do they normally act, and and if you're playing this game, you probably know these folks, and and they have a typical way that they respond to questions, and when that shifts, and it's unique for each person, when that shifts, that's when they may be like deception may be at play. Gotcha. Um, one one of the um, interviews that we did uh, a little while back, there was a. Uh, how would I put this nicely? There was basically like a large-scale academic piece that was uh-huh. looking at um, the volume of like text-based negotiations between mm-hmm. players to work out their propensity to lie versus telling the truth. 
Um, and some of the things that came out of that was when, you know, for example, and it's interesting if, if, if this has been from your experience as well, um, when people are tending to go into a little bit more detail and talking about the future and where they see things going, that tends to indicate a level of truth as opposed to sometimes short, sharp um responses um or as well as all that i mean i'm interested what's the equivalent tell if i can kind of call it that from a like a, a, a q point of view i mean like I'm, I'm aware sometimes people will tend to kind of look up towards you know the upright or whatever like that which is you know more like they're, they're kind of drawing something from up there around what they're thinking mm. what are you what's, what's your thoughts? okay okay so well, am I being you too asked simplistic? me a lot right there Sorry. okay so here's the deal <laughs> baseline 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 okay those those uh articles that come out in whatever cosmo or wherever they come out and and give you these these little vignettes of how to tell someone's lying that's fine but you got to get their baseline and and that and, and everyone is unique and they have to like you have to understand how they behave and how they answer questions and then when it shifts some of those may come into play so that a whole thing about oh if someone gives shorter answers they're like okay no okay maybe possibly for that person but as a as a rule can you no you cannot say that okay um if someone uh talks about the future more i mean maybe it depends how what's their baseline do they talk about the future are they generally positive are they stuck at complaining about the past i don't i don't know right those are just two options that are kind of opposite but it's a baseline thing okay now that eye pattern chart there's a way to use the eye pattern chart uh and and that's real prominent in sales books and nlp in my talks it, it'll take me about a day to teach you how to use the eye pattern chart to understand what's going on in someone's mind and actually use it to really, you, you can use it to really impact your life and really like take out bad habits and uh, put in empowering habits and things like that. To use it for lie detection, maybe it's a baseline thing, right? So, so some people, um, you know, yeah, when you look at them, they'll look to their, to, to your left, right? They're right. And, and, and people go, oh, that means they're lying. Now, you know what? Baseline, is it in their baseline? Maybe, <laughs> right? They could, they could be uh, normally organized. They could, they could not be. They could have their own unique way of doing it. The easiest thing to do if you want to be accurate about the way that you're looking at people's eyes is to go home, open up that book, tear out that page, wad it up, and throw it away. Because you will... Uh, you will screw yourself up every time if that is how you you do things. And I'm I feel like I get real animated about that because it's just ridiculous. And um, the accuracy rate is super low. And um, any uh, law enforcement will tell you that. Um, there's a way to use it. It's much more complex than just, oh, they look to the right and they're lying, right? Or whatever it is. So, so yeah, no, big no on that. Can, can I, Tracy, um, you, you spoke a bit about uh, baseline body language behaviour. Um, could you um, talk to us a little bit about how you'd go about establishing what a person's baseline um, body language would actually be? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So, um, and this is what I use in my talks for that. It doesn't take very long. It does not take very long to get someone's baseline. That's what small talk is for. So what you do is you ask them questions that they don't have any reason to lie about. Oh, where'd you grow up? What's your dog's name? How many kids do you have? 
just conversation, right? And then when you ask a question that could become more important, right? And, and I don't know exactly what your questions are going to be in your game, but let's say, um, let's, let, let, let's take the game out of play. Cause I don't want to give an example that I don't know anything about, but let's say, um, Hey, do you know anything about what happened to the donuts that were on the counter that I was going to take to church on Sunday? <laughs> right? Maybe I want to ask my husband that. So all of a sudden, if he's behaving differently, uh, it, it, in you got four observation points. You got as the question's being asked, as they're thinking about it, as they're answering, and then after the question. Those are four different points where their baseline can be really important and, and where shifts happen. And it sounds really simple to say that, oh, before, during, and after. Uh, but like to actually try to do that, it, I mean, it takes a really sharp eye and you really got to start to pay attention differently. Uh, because, I mean, and this is, this is more like foundational stuff, but most of us pay so much attention to ourselves. We're just not paying attention to what, go what's going on outside us. People are screaming at us all the time, exactly what's on their mind, exactly what they're thinking and exactly what's going to happen next. It's up to you to pay attention. Right. So, um, you know, and, and once you're paying attention, this, this, uh, okay, so, so I'm thinking about this scenario in my mind, uh, and we don't have video right now, but let's talk about the John Benet Ramsey murder. Uh, that I, I am sitting here in Boulder, Colorado. It happened about a mile from where I am. It still captivates, uh, probably, I imagine y'all have heard about it over there in Australia, right? But everybody over here has heard about it. It's still unsolved. Little six year old beauty queen found dead in the family's home Christmas night. I believe it was 1995 and it's still unsolved. What happened? Well, um, the brother at the 20 year mark decided his name's Burke. He decided to go on Dr. Phil to, uh, talk about things, right? Cause that's what you do with Dr. Phil is you talk about things. And, and so I use this particular clip in my talks because it's perfect. Um, it's a perfect example of his baseline. Okay. So Dr. Phil asks some questions, uh, about some of the items that were found around the home, uh, during the investigation. So, uh, pineapple, uh, uh, like pineapple in a bowl, you know, kind of ready to eat pineapple, baseball bat and a flashlight. Okay. And with each one of those, he answers it the same way. Right. And, and that is that, uh, his eyes go up, down, cross, and then he answers the question. And then he gets asked the next question about the baseball bat. His eyes go up, down, cross, and he answers the question. He does it three times. That's his baseline. And then the questions get more incriminating. Uh, did you, uh, and Dr. Phil said, do, do you think you would have you heard anything? And he, and he answers totally differently, totally differently with his baseline. You can see his eyes get really big and his, he sucks his lips in over his teeth. That means he's holding back. He's showing some fear. And then he goes, yeah. Right. And, um, and so that's the kind of thing that you're looking for are the differences in that. And now, um, so, you know, other habits that, that people can have are like, I work with a lot of poker players, like world series of poker players, or even, even just like local, like I'm in with this local poker league here. I don't play myself. I can barely tell a spade from a club. Um, 
but uh, there's one guy around town, and as soon as he doesn't like his like he he has the chips and he'll kind of shuffle them in his hand, kind of uh, like like uh, restacking the chips almost a little bit like that, like with his hand. And I'm making this motion that you can't see on a podcast. Um, <laughs> Tracy's moving her hand slightly up and down, like you're almost like with a kind of I don't know if you have it in America. I'm sure you do, like a slinky. You know how you kind yeah, of pull yeah, it up yeah. and down. You know, yep. Yeah, a little bit, little bit like that. So, uh, when he doesn't like his hand, he will stop shuffling his chips, right? So, so that's like that's his tell, right? And so, you know, okay, all of a sudden he's he's broadcasting what's on his mind, right? And everybody has these these little tells, and so you got to you got to know people and when I, and this goes back when i was bike racing i literally i kept a journal of everybody and their unique tells and what they were going to do and i would encourage if you care anything about this game and you want to win you need to keep a journal of your competitors behavior because we our minds all go in patterns we we run patterns for everything that we do and that allows us to you do new things right um because we don't have to think about the old stuff anymore right so that that's how you know when uh you know if you drive a stick shift um car at first it was really hard to do and now you can drive a stick shift and you can talk on your phone and eat your lunch at the same time right in a traffic jam so because because the stick shift part is the pattern you don't have to think about it uh same thing in life Okay, so when you can get people's patterns, you can notice when they when they shift, and if you're consciously paying attention to that, and and when I say that, it is new levels of attention that you got to pay, and it is not the easiest thing to start to do again because not paying attention is your pattern. Okay, <laughs> and so let's let's uh, try this. I'm gonna cover up my uh, screen here. Okay, so um, Ambie, what color are my earrings? Ooh. <laughs> oh, I think they were gold. <laughs> you are so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I'm a boy. <laughs> no, it's because you're not paying attention. <laughs> Could be that as okay. well. <laughs> yeah. So And now um, all of a sudden becoming very paranoid and looking, okay, pink blouse, you <laughs> blue eyes. <laughs> exactly, right, right. So these are the things you gotta pay attention to. Differently, you think you're gonna be like my baseline? You don't even know what color my earrings are. We've been talking for 25 minutes, <laughs> right? Because that here's the thing: in my programs, pe- a lot of times, especially like the really smart people in my programs, like the lawyers, the uh, like people who are super smart, um, finance guys, like like the finance. Here, here, here is my worst audience, and I'll tell you who it is. If I look out and I see all gray hair guys, I'm like, they're going to hate me. They're going to hate me because they think they've heard it all. They, they, and you know what? By the time you're, you have, you've heard a lot. But if you have not developed a skill of paying attention, what, like, you got some more stuff to learn, right? And people want to make it hard. And it is not hard. Okay. What is, a challenge is to continually pay attention and be able to use that information, right? And and what we do in my programs, what I would encourage people to do here is, is raise your sensory acuity. That's how much you're paying attention 
to what's going on outside of you. And you can do it consciously, right? And this is, it's not something you do for five minutes. This is a lifestyle if you want to get good at it, okay? It's a lifestyle that can pay really, really big. Uh, but you've got to want to do it. You've got to want to develop the skills. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're speechless. All right, got it, got it. <laughs> So, so let's say, Tracy, I, I'm, I'm, I want to conscientiously raise my attention level. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be looking for things. Um, you mentioned micro movements. Um, mm -hmm. That's the sort of thing I'd be looking for. Uh, yeah. So, you know what? Here's here's what you do. Here's how you do it. Because it, it, this it goes over time, right? You'll pay more and more attention over time. I would, if I was you, if you want to learn, if you want to start to pay attention differently. Uh, pick one one thing per day or one thing per week that you're going to pay attention to. Like, what is someone doing with their hands? What are they doing with their hands, right? Or can you understand, start to get a feel for what they're doing with their feet, even if the feet are under the table, right? And this is why I teach my World Series of Poker guys, right? So with, like, uh, like okay, so when me and you – Watch the World Series of Poker, like on ESPN. Y'all have ESPN over there? You do, right? Or yeah, like sp yes. whatever, sports. It's on some, some okay. channel, yep. Yeah, yeah, sports. Like ESPN 8, right? Like the worst ESPN channel. Uh, <laughs> so so uh, me and you watch the World Series of Poker, and it is an hour, maybe two hours on a Saturday afternoon. For those guys, it is a week of 12-hour days playing poker. Okay. Yeah. Crazy. So what do they do? You see these guys and they have their hoodie and their sunglasses and the hoodies pulled up like, like above their eyes and all that. And, um, you know what, to me, I'm like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I might not be able to see exactly what your eyebrows are doing, but I can get a feel for what's going on here. And I know when something is changing like systemically. Right. So yeah. Can I see when your feet move? Absolutely. Can I see when, when you're bouncing your knee? That's a sign of anxiety, right? When does that happen? Okay, so you got you got to all of a sudden coordinate that with uh, with what's going on. Have they just drawn a card and then they then their knee starts bouncing? Well, they probably don't like their card, right? And and they want to get out of there. So it, it, because we have the least control, like over the lower half of our body. Like, well, let me back that up. So over our forehead, we have the least control over our forehead and on a macro level, um, our feet, right? In that part. So our feet are going to tell, uh, uh, tell you when the unconscious mind wants to run, right. And get out of there. <laughs> so they're going to start moving. Right. So, um, those are some of the things that, that you can start to like, start pay attention, pay attention differently. So, so maybe one week you look at someone's feet, maybe, or, or just anyone's feet, right. Maybe, maybe you look for when people scratch, Right. Or uh, maybe you look at their blink rate because right? you can look at their blink rate, like how because you got blink rate, you got blink weight. Right. And that's and, and blink weight is how like some people, you know, they uh, they squeeze their eyes. Most of us are pretty light. But uh, when does that blink rate change? Is it blink, blink, blink? Pause. Blink, blink, blink like that. Like that's a, that's an anxiety thing. Right. Or is it just kind of a normal Blink rate, right? <laughs> just so all these are different things that you can start to look for to start to raise that sensory acuity and, and how much you're paying attention to what's going on around you. 
Okay, so it, it's really, really important to pay attention to the when these things are occurring and not, mm -hmm. not, not really the what. Um, mm -hmm. And so, so, so starting on that journey, it's like looking to see when a certain tell or an action occurs and going, okay, that action tends to occur in this type of situation. And then you look for a different thing of following week, potentially, oh, that's a separate action that tends to occur in this other type of situation. And then you uh yeah pretty much that's that's about it right and and you'll notice these patterns people have patterns i'm telling you they they cannot uh, you cannot rub this stuff out especially if you're just sitting there in a game like it's it's pretty tough now um the, the only challenge is, is is if you get someone on the uh personality disorder scale like maybe sociopath psychopath and there are highly functioning sociopaths the psychopaths tend to end up in jail a lot more but um they, they so some of them like they either they they may not show the tells in uh, well, I'm talking fifteen percent of the population in there. So uh, you'll know when you get a fifteen percenter because they just nothing they say adds up. So uh, that and and that that can help in in a game like what you're talking about. But I mean, fifteen percent of people you 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 can be pretty good um, outside of that. Um, Tracy, my mind is totally blown. I must admit, a lot of I things you've talked about. I can see that on your face. I can because you you kind of don't know what to say. <laughs> oh no, no, no! There, there was lots of things along the way I wanted to kind of ask, but I also want to provide Kane the opportunity to ask a few things as well. Um, first off, I'll, I want to just make go go back a little bit when we start talking about journaling um, and, and kind of observing things and taking notes of that. I think that's something that's particularly of interest to more of our top level players. So mm -hmm. again, this can be a game where you can kind of get together with, you know, six other friends and, um, you know, waste four or five hours. Sure. Um, and, and that could be, you know, a very non-competitive social type of thing. But unfortunately, there is a certain uh, click, let's call it that, amongst our, our group of people who are highly competitive. Um, you know, they'll go off and they'll play, you know, national tournaments in America, world championships and wow. things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and some of these players are, I mean, that they put, put Kaner and I definitely to shame without a shadow of a doubt. That's the type of thing that I think is really quite quite useful from my perspective because I will go in and I'll just normally play a game for the sake of playing the game and sure. the enjoyment and so forth. And I'm, I'm, I do find it difficult to do what you've just said because maybe I'm not conscientiously thinking around, you know, observing certain patterns that are variations to what the original baseline was. Um, but I can imagine that journaling thing would be of particular uh, interest to some of the, the top players because they'll be playing other top players over time. And, yes, they may kind of notice these things and maybe just happen to remember some of this stuff. But as with most things, you know, if you actually kind of – after you've gone through an experience, if you kind of write it all down, you're far more likely to be able to refer to that later on when it comes to mm -hmm. playing them again. Um You've talked a lot around being able to detect when people are moving off their baseline. And I guess I've got two questions here. The first one is um, they could obviously be providing that because they intend to do you harm, they're lying, et cetera, like that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes, obviously, they may be thinking that myself, um, who is having a discussion with them, are going to be actually you know, lying to them. Um, mm -hmm. Is that something that sometimes occur where people's um, variations to their baseline occur more as a, um, 
a response to because they think that somebody else is lying to them or being, you know, not upfront with them? Uh, I'm going to say... Almost like a false positive. Um, okay, so let's let's get... So I'm not sure I got your question exactly, but let me just Did say we try this. to reframe it? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, maybe reframe it okay. a little bit. So let's say, for example, you and I are playing this game, and this game okay. obviously involves a certain level of duplicitous behaviour. Sure. Now, I happen to be watching you. I've kind of um, observed over a period of time what your baseline mm-hmm. is, and I start seeing then, you know, patterns that are, you're displaying to me which indicate that that's different in my, part of my conversations with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The question is, in my mind, um, probably the most likely chance reason for this is because, you know, I feel that you mightn't be upfront and honest with me in, the, in that mm-hmm. particular instance when what we were talking about. Mm-hmm. But is there also a chance that yourself, who is starting to change what your baseline is, you know, probably un- unconsciously, mm-hmm. are changing your baseline because you've seen or you don't believe what I'm saying? You know, so it's almost oh. a case of your mirroring, perhaps, or kind of as again, maybe throwing a false positive that you know your behaviour is different, not because you've got you know you're being fraudulent or um, mm-hmm. duplicitous yourself. But you, you're okay. feeling okay. that somebody else might be, and as a result of that, you're changing your your patterns. Okay, so I'm going to say, because you asked a really big question, uh, I'm going to say no on that. However, because, okay, because ha- this game takes, what, four or five hours, six hours to play? That's a long time. Okay, people who change their baseline over that, like that is intensely stressful to do. People that do it, make millions of dollars in Hollywood. Okay. That is how that works. Okay. Can someone do it in your local neighborhood game? I'm going to say no. Um, but you asked a question about mirroring and, uh, and matching and mirroring, which is part of the body of knowledge of, of neurolinguistics, right? And a lot of salespeople use it. And, and, and this is what I teach the world series of poker guys. If you want to know what someone is thinking, okay, uh, okay, you got to understand this principle. The body goes where the mind. Uh, okay, hang on. What does? How does it go? Where the body goes, the mind follows. Okay, where the mind goes, the body follows. Got it. So, um, if you were to copy someone exactly what they were doing with every part of their positioning you can feel what they're feeling right you can connect with them and and uh you can connect with them but also your your body's going to feel what their body's feeling so uh so why is that important well confidence lack of confidence um nervous uh like all of these things right that if if you want to start to like really dig into to mind reading which is what it's really a cousin of what it's part of you can you can do that you can match people like if you just move when they move exactly how they move when they scratch the side of their cheek if you scratch the side of your cheek like you can you can do that and you can you can um understand what's really going on uh for them like even even more deeply than just deception and i have whole programs on that too (laughs) 
Don't worry. Well, at the end, we'll provide people with um, definitely the opportunity to, to find out more from you. Um, I, I guess probably in, in responding to that, Tracy, let's let's turn it around the other way. You know, like how do you build trust with somebody in a, um, you know, when you when you more like what would be the behaviours I would need to be showing you, which would indicate you subconsciously that what I'm saying it can be relied upon. Oh, uh, well, okay, so people. Uh, and I think that goes back to what we were talking about with matching. If you want to make your, if you want to make someone reach deep down inside and go, you know what? I like that guy. I don't know why, but I like him, and I trust him. Uh, you got to match their body language. It's a sophisticated game of adult copycat. It's very subtle. It takes practice to pull off uh, effectively, so that you can match people and do other things, right? Uh, like like play a game, right? Or have any kind of conversation at all because it's it's that encompassing. But that is uh, uh, what we do in those programs is behavioral flexibility, right? And, and because most of us do the things we do and say the things we say, uh, and again, it's on that pattern, right? Remember that everyone has their own pattern. <clears throat> so if you can get out of that and and start to get onto someone else's page very, very deeply, very quickly. Uh, all, you, all you have to do is is match their body language and match their movements. It is very subtle. It's a, like I said, it's a sophisticated game of adult copycat. When you're not good at it, you feel like you're going to get caught and you feel like you're acting and all these things. And all of those things are, are true until you get good at it. And then you can actually start to start to understand what's going on for someone else but you're creating vibes between you and them all the time and you're forcing them to reach down inside and go they're they're pretty awesome they're pretty they would never lie to me (laughs) so so that that's how you do it it's really interesting the way you've kind of described that because I, I I do try to and look obviously nowhere near the level of, of you know somebody who's obviously been trained to be able to pick these things up but I do try to um, conscientiously do that when I'm engaging with someone and trying to build mm-hmm. rapport and trust um, I guess at the same time you're also continuing to try to channel that and still show those behaviors even when you know in your mind you're thinking something totally different and you plan to do something you know adverse against them yeah it's tricky yeah 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 um i mean we've been talking a lot of this stuff around obviously the nature of of a game and you've obviously talked about this in the context of you know your own training and what you've delivered to Mm. other people i'm kind of guessing these these are core skills which um you know you don't necessarily have to to go okay i'm going to be playing this tournament so now i'm going to start thinking around these type of things these are the type of skills i'm assuming that ideally to actually be better at it when you come together at this tournament maybe once every couple of months or something like that you actually want to be spending the whole day every day theoretically in your normal day-to-day operations outside of a Mm -hmm. silly game um looking at how people do these things and that kind of theoretically i assume makes you more attuned at that moment that you particularly want to do that okay Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a lifestyle. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, you're going to know more about people than maybe you wanted to. You really are. And uh, like in a day to day way, you know, and, and my husband is a um, he's super smart. He's a rocket scientist. Um, he's really good at like, like we say at the house, he's in charge of the stuff. I'm in charge of the people and uh, the people baffle him. 
and he started to to learn some of this stuff. And now he and he said to me, he was so frustrated once. Um, and he said, you know what? Things were just a lot easier before I knew all this stuff. <laughs> and um, which is which is true, right? Uh, in a lot of ways. But you know, you can go around and keep your head in the sand. Right. And you can do that and that's okay. And that'll get you as far as it gets you. When you want to perform in any area of life, connecting with whoever is across from you is uh, what's going to be able to create that moment. And if you're not good at it, just walking down the street or in your home with your family or with your friends, you're never going to be able to be good at it in a higher stakes situation, whether that's your sales call whether you're uh, working with your client if you're a lawyer um, uh, interviewing people or uh, or or playing playing the game right you're just not, you're not going to be good at it and so uh, it's important to understand that this this is a skill is way outside the game and if you don't do it outside the game it's never going to help you in the game excellent um I'm going to kind of I mean one thing I've I've really learned so much about in this interview Tracy is is just around the old rules, if I can kind of call it that, um, around body language are just, you know, don't really apply nowadays. Um, I, I can kind of recall in the, the 1980s as a child, my father, who, who was at the time a furniture salesman, he had a, um, a book, a paperback book. I think it was by Alan Pease. I don't know if you've got Alan Pease, you bet. Yeah, yeah Alan Pease. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I remember that kind of, as, as a kid seeing this book, I mean, it kind of showing, you know, visually, obviously these cues, you know, people having a closed type of stance versus an open stance, someone, you know, mm-hmm. leaning in, you know, someone maintaining eye contact. Are any of those things still relevant or they still come down at the end of the day to that baseline activity of how someone behaves? Oh, well, uh, you know, it depends what your goal is. So I have a program. It's a a bunch of videos. I ended up making them free online. Um, What is it? It's called the 21 day body language makeover and you can find it on YouTube and that is free and that goes over all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's just understanding what's on someone's mind. Right now, all of that plays into their well. You will see that in their baseline, right? Uh, and uh, and and be able to use that when when you deviate from that, right? For deception, for sure. Um, but yeah, twenty one day body language makeover, and that and that's free. Excellent, um, Kana. Do you have any other questions that you wanted to put to Tracy? Um, no, I've learned. I've learned a lot. Tracy, thank you. <laughs> you bet. You Is bet. there anything else, Tracy, that that we haven't touched on that you feel would be something particularly useful for people? As a, um, I mean, you've mentioned that YouTube um, video series, which is mm-hmm. excellent. Is there anything else, short of you know your your services that you offer, um, that you think is also a good a bridge towards that? Um, well, I, I have an online program that I like, get charged for it and it's called, you can find it on my website. It's only on my website. It's called fraud spotting it, and I, I made it for bankers. Um, but guess what? Uh, the poker people here in town use it. Um, it's all about how to, how to find who's lying to you. And, and that's on my website It's body language trainer.com. So, uh, just go to where I think it's the store or books tab, um, something like that and then um i have a book it's called how to detect lies fraud and identity theft so um with that because y'all are in australia um i would 
Shipping don't, is going to don't, be don't worry too t- much. Ninety percent of our audience are Americans, so don't worry. Are they okay? So I, you know, there's an ebook on um, Amazon. Same, it's, it's identical. So, uh, but yeah, even if I ship to Canada, it costs three times the amount of the book, and so it's just ridiculous. So get, just get the ebook if you're overseas from the U.S. <laughs> so, um, but th- those are my the, those are my um, training courses that. That, that I have. And uh, with fraud spotting, you think it's going to be long and hard. No, it is super fun. They're quick videos and there's there's a bunch of them. And then um, just uh, you'll, you'll learn a ton. If you can just get that stuff down, you'll be you'll be set. I think there's 22 videos, about five to 10 minutes each. So it doesn't take a long time to, uh, you know, digest a little bit and then start to apply it in, in your life. And then you can come back for more when you're ready. And uh, I think I, when I originally reached out to you, Tracy, it was because of your podcast, and I have listened to oh, yeah. a, to a number of your episodes. <laughs> and look, I've got to say, it's a great resource as well. Um, you know, I found that particularly interesting. Particularly, I think you had uh, who were you talking to? Was it someone from the? It was like a spy agency or whatever like that. Yeah, or, yeah, that was mm-hmm. quite interesting. Well, yeah. So my podcast is it's free. It's called Truth, Lies, and Cover Ups. And I started it during the pandemic because I was bouncing off the ceilings because I'm used to being on the road, out with my people, out with my audiences. And all of a sudden it came to this grinding halt. And I needed, and I realized something. I realized I knew how to detect lies. I knew how to spot fraud. I didn't really know how to run a scam. And so I decided I was going to find out and I was going to have a podcast to do it. And I um, I interview uh, some of the world's most notorious fraudsters. They're victims in law enforcement that's caught them. So um, in the investigative skills of these uh, police and FBI that I interview, I'm just fascinated by. And so um, I do it. I mean, I kind of do it for myself and hopefully people will come along and, and, and join me. And, you know, people are starting to find it. We're getting a little bit of, a little bit of growth. Um, but uh, so some of the people I've interviewed are um, the FBI agent that caught the Unabomber, and he he used forensic linguistics to catch the Unabomber. It's fascinating. Uh, if you watch Netflix, uh, that show Narcos, uh, I talked to the real DEA agents from from that, and they tell what's different from the show, and because they they caught Pablo Escobar, um, and I just interviewed yesterday the lead investigator in the Bernie Madoff uh, Ponzi scheme. Uh, and he's a FBI guy. So um, I, I get, I get some, some super interesting ones. I'll tell you who's, who told me, no, you know, who I was really bummed about it? And I'm going to say, I'm going to say it until she c- comes on the show. Uh, <laughs> have you watched inventing Anna? No, it's sorry. on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Anyway. So uh, Anna Delvey, she, um, Basically, didn't pay her bills and conned Wall Street into uh, almost giving her millions and millions of dollars. Anyway, uh, true story. But uh, she she scammed her friend for sixty five thousand dollars. Her friend Rachel and I want Rachel on my podcast, and she told me no, and I'm going to shame her into saying yes. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, I may not shame her, but I do. I, Rachel, if you're listening, come on my show, please. <laughs> There you go. Um, actually, one thing I just wanted to quickly ask, Tracy, you, you touched on the fact that you started your podcast during the pandemic because your mm. face-to-face operations obviously ground to a halt. Um, mm. 
Is there much variation um, when you're kind of dealing with someone in a face-to-face environment versus an online environment as part of what you can see and tell? Oh, uh, no. Uh, here's the problem. You, ha- you have a little less to work with. Just I think a little you less. Before you got that bit up there that you can kind yeah. of see as a tell. But, oh, totally. And you maybe can you can kind of work out how they're moving under the, the desk or something. Yeah. The problem is here's the problem. People are bad at reading body language anyway. And then you put them on Zoom and they get all nervous and they get like 10 times worse. Right. So it is the same. It doesn't matter if you're on Zoom or not. Um, so everybody's used to Zoom by now. Just it's the same. <laughs> but. I can charge. I charge companies a lot of money to tell them it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, I get all nervous about it. I'm like, come on, okay. So we might we might start wrapping that up, Tracy. Just just remind us again the the um, the website address if people want to learn more um, and maybe look at some of your courses or maybe even have you on as an actual speaker. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Bodylanguagetrainer.com. Um, excellent, and, excellent domain yeah. name, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It took me a while to get it. You know how it is to get domain names. It's hard. But yeah, bodylanguagetrainer.com. If you want my fraud spotting training, uh, go there. Uh, check for my podcast, Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups, anywhere you get your podcast. And uh, yeah, you know, if I can ever help people out or you just got a quick question, um, you know, shoot me a note. Love to love to help you out. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Y'all are fun. And we're back. And we're back. Jeez. And what an interview. I had a lot of it. That was far out. That was great. <laughs> yeah, no, no. That's fantastic. And um, honestly, just to, just to reiterate, if you are interested in finding more stuff about Tracy Brown, you can go to bodylanguagetrainer.com. Um, she has a fraud spotting um, section on her website with like 22 videos you can watch there or get access to from that website. Um, she also has a book on Amazon on how to detect lies, fraud, identity theft. Um, also, she runs a podcast, quite a successful, long-running podcast, yep. um, uh, which she started up uh, in, in, in the COVID sort of era, um, and it's worthwhile to listen. And that's entitled "Truth, Lies, Cover-Ups," and well, "Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups." And, and in fact, that's probably how I first came across Tracy. I was I was looking for somebody who knew their shit but also knows how to articulate that in such a way that would actually resonate with our audience. And from listening to a number of her podcasts, I went, she knows this shit. Yes. And, yep, yep, you know, yep. and I think that there's some, a lot of, lot of value there. So thank you very much, Tracy. Um, I, I, I found it interesting, the beginning around the connection with um, Lance Armstrong and her, oh, yes. her previous yeah, yeah. Who career, yeah, yeah. you know, as an actual, you know, in cycling around, <laughs> around that. And how that kind of was part of her, you know, her um, journey, I guess, in getting into that particular space. So. Well, especially, it's just something, something I never really would have imagined or even put much thought into. Um, but I suppose in retrospect, you know, being able to read those micro-movements of your opponents yes. would give you a significant advantage in something like cycling. So I was just totally unaware that that was even a thing. But it obviously is. And, yeah, and, yeah. You know, I, I guess when you're cycling and you're competing at a high level, um, that that hyper attention to those things that trains your mind really would set you up well for 
what Tracy ends up doing in becoming a body language expert. Um, I have started looking at people in my workplace trying to identify their baseline. How about you? Oh, Kana, look, it was something that it was weird because funny that you mentioned that. I was thinking about that prior to coming and catching up with you. And I thought, from actually listening to the interview with Tracy, I was like, so, yeah, hell yeah, I'm gonna go be doing this. <laughs> and and then just kind of tuned it out, you know what I mean? And, so, and again, it's the type of thing, and, and I think Tracy talked about this, you really need to be conscientiously thinking about this it, stuff. You do. I'm, I'm, I'm finding it so difficult to do it. <laughs> just, just, you know, I need to go back and re-listen to it again. Yeah, my unconscious mind just goes back to, um, or just goes back to kind of like a passive observation of yes. the body, not not a, uh, a conscientious examination of body language tells or things that that person does. Um, so taking Tracy's advice I've just started trying to identify what is the what what that baseline is with a person um, I haven't gotten to the point I haven't actually started keeping a tells journal yet yep. um, on people's body language but I feel that the first step is to train myself to conscientiously start to recognise that this is a thing that I'm recognising yep. yeah so that, that's kind of where I'm at at the moment and actually, one thing I reflected on afterwards, and, and you'll remember this when we did our previous interviews around um, uh, using artificial intelligence and looking deep, deep, deep... Um, what do you call that? Deep data, no. Deep, deep... Fuck, what is it? What? Sorry. When you're doing uh, like analysis around huge volumes of data. Big data. Oh, big data. Yeah. Yep. And remember that we had previously had, had an interview around lying and how looking at the way that people actually said certain things showed a certain... And when they changed the way they said things, that kind of was a bit of a, a tell in the verbal communication. Oh, in, in, the, um, in, in the written word. In the written word, correct. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but that kind of... That was the thing that was interesting because I remember from that particular interview, like 90% of the time, I think people were asked as part of their... They got messages from a player and they would make a, a judgment around whether they thought it was you know legitimate or whether they thought the person was lying sure and they and they did the same thing in reverse talking to the person who actually sent the message were you being legitimate were you lying yeah and i think about 90 percent of the times everything's all legitimate and it's only about 10 percent of the time it's not and i think that ties into that whole concept of that tracy talked about with that establishing that baseline unless someone starts lying to you literally from the get-go right you usually start, you should theoretically, if you are tuned to this stuff and practice and, you know, develop that skill over, you know, let's be realistic, many oh, years. Oh, and realistic, yeah, it is a, yeah, it is a many years. You know, years, you, yeah. you will probably start going, okay, yes, this person's behaviour, you know, what they particularly do is very subtle, but I can pick it up. Right. And that kind of would be a tell. Yes, and I imagine if you, like, and, and some of her work with poker players is, is just yeah. that. It's just that. Um, the, but I thought it was, you know, the, the, the tells that she's talking about and the, those micro movements and those, you know, those, those, those eye charts and those mirroring behaviors, they're all, 
part of it, but it's not. It actually doesn't have meaning unless it's um, counter to what that baseline of that person is. Yep. Um, and her, as a, as an expert in the body language, is very able to is, is quite because of her experience with it and many years of actually actively conscientiously analysing people's body language, is able to very quickly pick up what a person's baseline body language is. Yep. And so therefore, is able to pick up the thing that they do that demonstrates duplicity, yep. right? Um, and it's not the looking to the, sh- to the right or the left, or it's not the, um, the, the, those, the that, that pop, cultural knowledge of what yep. body language is um, because that person might have grown up looking to the right whenever they're thinking as opposed to wanting to tell a lie yes right so if they're doing it when they're thinking it's not a tell that's their baseline but it's when they look to the left instead that it becomes ah uh, that's the tell yeah, right? yeah. but but yeah, it, yes it, it is something so it, it's something that I think and it's hard like I've started doing it and it's hard it's hard and I, I really appreciate that idea of keeping a journal but journaling's hard too mm. yeah especially when you're journaling about something new to your experience but I think um, look it, 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 there's there's so much to learn in this space about the patterns of the people you work with or the people you uh, play your games of diplomacy with yep. that it's really an area that if you wanted to probably improve your face-to-face game, it's something to look at, at least. Oh. Yeah. Something yeah, to think give about. It a, give it a go. Give it a go. I mean, yeah. even if you kind of watched a few of Tracy's videos and read some of the material that she's provided, you're not, it's not going to take too much time and then go, okay, let's just... I think the idea was just concentrate on maybe just one thing, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. just that one thing. Um, so, yeah, you know, this that, week I'm going to look at them and observe how people do, you know, I don't know, use their hands or what they do with their feet or, you know, under certain circumstances and try looking at, okay, using that as the baseline, using that in combination with the journaling to go, okay, I'll pick that up now. I also have found that I'm observing myself a little bit too. Okay. Right? So, um... What are my behaviours that I do? What, what, how do I... How does my body do certain things when I'm expressing certain... I don't know, expressions or emotions or, yep. or... Or certain awkward situations. How do I... How does my body tense itself? Or, yep. or, or do, what does it do in, in those situations as well? And it's interesting to watch yourself do some things as well so, mm. uh, so it's not just watching others it's watching yourself and that idea of mirroring or um, yeah, essentially yeah, yeah. Uh, copycatting other yeah. people you know and it's, it's probably true like to to really understand what that yeah, <laughs> sorry Abby's, Abby's I'm just copying whatever Kate yeah, is yeah, doing yeah, right yeah. now <laughs> to, to truly understand what a person is body is feeling yeah just copy their posture copy their actual position 
in, in that spatial position and it gives you a fairly clear idea you know are they tense on their shoulders are yeah. they relaxed you know what what are they actually feeling and it's you know it's interesting it's interesting it's just so interesting anyway. yeah so much to learn from it absolutely absolutely so hopefully our listeners i mean this was very much an interview that was very different to what we normally do in the sense that we tend to be very focused around an aspect of the game rather than looking at the mechanics which can feed into the way the game works. So um, if you found this, this um, episode interesting, give us some, give us some feedback. Just use the, I don't know, you've probably got to contact us. You guys know somewhere. how to contact us by now. Um, it's, on, it's on the deets. And let us know because it was something quite different and if there's something that's useful to you then maybe we might do something similar to this in the future but with another aspect of yes. mechanics that relate to how we actually play the game rather than the game itself. Yes. Well, I certainly got a lot out. I hope you guys did too. Yes. And yep. thank you again very much, Tracy. Um, we had a great time. We learned a lot. I think particularly also around the fact that I don't pay attention to the colour of your earrings or... (laughs) (laughs) You got caught out there. (laughs) Caught out there. Cheers. Cheers. (laughs) So talking about face-to-face, and we didn't actually go into a lot of details around why we've had a delay. I mean, I was on holidays, you're on holidays, I got sick but not with COVID, all sorts of other things. All sorts of things, yeah. So, um, yeah, so forget, apologies. But... Now that we've kind of got past all that, do you think we should maybe start looking at the face-to-face option again locally? Yeah. Give it a, look, I don't think it'll hurt. Give it a crack. Give it a crack, yeah. Yeah. Give it a crack. Um. Interesting enough, the um, where I was away, I was kind of, you know, we were out camping, we were out, you know, sinking drinks and having fun. Seven people around the campfire, and you're thinking, ooh. <laughs> there were six of us, so certainly so, <laughs> had to go into civil disorder. Um, but actually, at one stage, you know, we were just, you know, you, you, and some of these guys I knew, some of these guys I just met, and um, yeah, we were having a bit of a chat, and if we happened to kind of, one of the, someone who I'd previously seen talked about the podcast or whatever like that, because obviously you must remember, I must have mentioned it previously. Oh, yeah. So we do have a couple of go- of those guys that went, oh, I don't know whether they're just, you know, blowing wind up a skirt, but oh, they, they kind of were like, oh, I might be interested in that. So <laughs> I'll, I'll, if we are going to try, I can kind of reach out to them and see if they're vaguely interested. See if they're interested. Give it a go. Like it's... I, I think the, the really interesting thing about diplomacy is you could... It, it, if you have... Um, I had to say, I don't think that it is culturally exclusive to any group of people. To be perfectly honest no, with you, no. no, it's a um, it, it's a social game that I think anyone could have a go and have, a, have have fun with it, even if you don't know the tactical strategic situation of exactly what you're doing on the board. You can yep, just have yep. fun talking and trying to get stuff to happen. Yeah. No, I'm going to be, yeah, reach out, see if they're interested. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Worst I can say is no. The worst I can say is no, of course. Yeah, 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 of course. Um, But I'll I'll, I'll give it a go, see what happens if we can organise locally, hopefully. Because I'm away again, and probably this is another warning to listeners, for two weeks. Okay. From the 30th of September, from there for about two weeks. Okay. 
That's what I'm off to broom. 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 Okay. So I've broom never, is the, the back of broom. nowhere in Australia. Yeah. Like, you can say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think, you know, you think Perth is the remotest city in the world, then Perth is probably the remotest well-known town whose capital city is Perth. Broom. Broom. Yeah. Up in, yeah. Far northwest, West Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Holidaying? So, oh, I'm, I'm meeting up with a, I'm, I'm actually meeting a mate in Darwin where he's just been on a cruise along the Kimberley Okay. From Broome to Darwin. Right. But his caravan's in Broome. Right. And he and I are going to drive all the way back to Brisbane from Broome for the caravan for two weeks. Christ, that's a hike. And, um, yep. you know, well and truly go really fucking deep bush. Yep. That is a, that's a trip. <laughs> that's a... That's, that's really a out... That's true outback. Actually, we're going to... We will be pulling into the pub... That was in Crocodile Dundee as the Outback Hotel or Outback Pub or whatever. You have to take a photo of that. <laughs> My brother and I did um, Perth to Sydney. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we moved across. Yep. That was a, that was a hike. Across um, the Nullarbor. Across the Nullarbor. World's longest road that's in a direct, just a straight line. It's like over a, yeah. so it like 100 miles. Um, it's just a straight line. It's pretty much or a straight more. line. Yeah, the longest road more without a turn. Yeah. Um, you know, got a got a good glimpse of the uh, great of, of the of the gaffer. What's the gaffer? The great Australian fuck all. <laughs> um, I, I think I might see a little bit of that. Well, see a bit of that. Yeah. Um, and then came up through Broken Hill. You know, after getting across South Australia. Um, but that'd be an amazing trip. That's beautiful. That, That'd be excellent. Yes, I'm just kind of. I'm interested in how many kangaroos we hit. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to slow. You're not going to slow down. No, you don't. No, no, no. No, no. How many fucking huge road trains there are? Yes. Apparently, like there's like the type of thing like I've been lucky enough to drive on the German autobahn, where the idea is when you're driving at about. I think I was driving at about 190k an hour. Mm. I don't know what that is in America. That's about 120, kind of 130 10. miles an hour, 110 uh, miles an hour. It's more like a hundred mile an hour, is it not? No, that'd be 160 kilometres an hour. Okay, so 110ish. I reckon close to about 120 miles an hour. 120. Okay. When literally the advice that was given to me at the time when you're driving at that speed is like, you don't just you need to go and be thinking, you need to be looking ahead half a mile <laughs> a because of your braking distance. <laughs> and this is the same type of thing apparently you need to be doing with the side of, size of the road trains. So yeah. I, I don't think anywhere else in the world has road trains like Australia does. Canada maybe? Yes, maybe, yeah. Yeah. With those, those um, Netflix shows around, you know. Ice truckers. Ice truckers. <laughs> it's the same type of thing, like these trucks are like, Fucking miles long with you know yeah, carriages effectively carriages yes um, so I've got to got to prepare for that okay. I'm hoping I see some camels along the way no doubt you'll see um, what great big eagles eagle yeah well, yep. you can see it um, 
No, like the big, like carrying e- e- eagles. Oh, okay. Um, Coming down to eat all the dead kangaroos. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, I reckon that'd be lovely. Mate, mate, that's good. You need to take a good two-player game you can play at night. Mm. You got any recommendations? My brother and I did Go. Yeah, I've never played Go. Like he and I are equally shit. Yeah, okay. At the game, um, but it's it's a good way to kill an hour or two at night, just in a friendly way. Um, so we did Go, but we could have equally have done chess. The problem with chess is one. I even go one person's an even winner one person's going to win but each time you win the next game you play the other person gets a handicap advantage is it? yeah yeah oh. so let's say you and I were to play a game to go yeah. you start with an empty board and I've got no fucking idea and so you smash me so I smash you on the first game yeah, okay. and then the next game you start with an extra piece on the board you start oh. with a piece oh. and okay. I smash you again okay you start with another piece and it keeps on going until it's an even match and you've maybe got three or four pieces starting on the board. That's interesting. Because when you talk about chess, my concern there is, like, I played... I mean, I, I learned chess as a, as a, you know, a kid. I probably stopped when I was about 12. I don't know. And, like, if you put me up against someone who's never played chess, I'd smash them. But if you put me up against somebody who's actually done more than just stop playing when they're 12 years old, they'd smash me. And there's no way that you can kind of compensate for that. True, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's got interesting. got an equalising thing to it. Um, what other games could you do? Mancala would be a good one to do. What's that? Mancala, that's the African game with the four beads on... And you have to... You have to capture your opponent's seeds. Okay. Off their, off their um, bucket, so everyone, each side's got uh, six buckets on their side of the board and you pick out of your and each bucket starts with four beads or four seeds and the idea is you um, move in such a way that um, you land on your opponent's single undefended buckets which only have ones or twos on it and you can take their seeds and score them for yourself it's an African game so that's another two player game that you could do, that's not chess Yes. Um, what's another good two-player France game? versus Austria. Cold War. I mean, you could like, literally print out. <laughs> you could print out the map. You yeah, could. but I think I have a slight advantage in the sense that at least I know the game mechanics. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. Something to think about. I'm sure instead I'll just just be cluttered. <laughs> Speaking of France, uh, actually, we're actually of, um, we're, we're with two other people, so we'll see what happens. Might need a four player game. Oh, so four, oh, four people. Okay. I could recommend a couple to you, but I won't. Oh, I mean, this is no, 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 the right. yeah, right, yeah. But speaking of um, uh, Cold War, <laughs> I recently played a one versus one Cold War. Yes. And got my ass kicked because I suck at one versus one games. Yes, me too. On, on a diplomacy map. Um, but there's a new. Redux yes. of the Cold War yeah. variant. It's um that's live now on the Russian sort of, yes. of all places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which is a uh, very oh, far out. I mean, for those of you who kind of have very very long memories in the um, uh, our podcast space, we actually had like a text-based interview. It's our first interview. I think we did. No, no, no. Second, wasn't first. No, no. Yeah. Is it? It's one of our early ones. Was it? With Flame. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of our. Was it? No, I thought I'm sure it was the one of our earlier ones. 
It was a long while ago. Oh, okay. But, I mean, it was, yeah, it was with Flame. So what was interesting there is Flame is, sorry, obviously a pseudonym. Um, you're right, back in March 2017. Fuck. Okay. Episode 14. So, um, but Flame is the admin of the Russian diplomacy site. Yes. Which at the moment everyone goes, Ooh, Russia. Mm. But the irony, of course, is that Flame is in fact Ukrainian. Ukrainian. Yeah. So um, I, I have previously reached out to, to Flame around having a bit of a conversation around the, how would you put it, the, 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 the challenge, I guess, of somebody who is running a website for people who are invading your country. <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, you're putting him in a bad and he's, spot. He's, um, I can quite understand him, him kind of saying, hey, hey, I've got more important things to, to kind of worry about right now. And uh, all, honestly, all respect to him. But somehow, rather, he's managed to um, find time to create a four-player Cold War. Did variant. he create it or did, or did he, he just port it across? Ported it in? I don't know. I haven't actually yeah. seen the four-player version before. Yeah, so it, it's four players. Um, it's it's the exact same map um, the, of, of the one versus one Cold War, but it, um, it, it has it has Russia, it has China. Soviet Union, not Russia. Oh, Soviet Union, China. Um, the West, I would think, has... Um, well, yeah, it's kind of America, but the Americans America, are also in... Is it, it's actually, there's not supplies in the Philippines, is there? Philippines and Australia. Australia. With no... Was there... No, there's no supply centre right, so Do we need to pause it for the shit? Okay, so that's all um, finished. Yeah, so um, so the, the United States, Philippines... But Philippines doesn't have a, um, a supply centre. And who's the other one? The and uh, Australia. Sorry, and, and, but, they, but they do have... America gets a supply centre out of Australia for some reason. Um, and yeah. then West Western Europe is a separate playing country, although you've still got the same dynamic you have in the normal Cold War, where West Germany and East Germany are neutrals, effectively, which I've yeah. never really felt comfortable with, personally. But anyway. Mm, anyway. But... But the, the, the map is, is, is what it is. So how do you think that would play out? Well, have you noticed that there, whilst the, the map, generally speaking, is the same, there actually are some subtle changes. Are there? I, I missed. Go back and open it up again. Okay, Kate. yeah. I think there's subtle changes, otherwise we're going to have to go back and edit this shit out. Oh, no, no, no. This will be fun. So so what subtle changes are there? Because I'm, I'm actually not seeing any. Apart from starting positions, um, I think Hanoi is a supply centre. Oh, what? Oh. And okay, so there's been a change. So Saig- Saigon is, is, is now, now South, South Vietnam, Vietnam, which is a neutral, and West Vietnam has changed to Hanoi, which North is North Vietnam to Hanoi. Uh, North Vietnam's turned to Hanoi um, and is now adjacent to Bangladesh. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so South, well, Southeast Asia is now renamed Bangladesh, isn't it? Oh, no. No, no, no Bangladesh. There isn't. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. No. Southeast is it, is Asia it, is, it, is it, still Southeast Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Anyway. So that's one change of territories. Where else have you noticed? Somewhere over in Europe. I don't know. Let's have a look. Um, I think there's a few. Wait a second, but is there in in um, China, Urumqi is a new supply centre? Oh yeah, West China has become Urumqi, which is now a supply centre. Still adjacent to Siberia and the Urals and Pakistan. So the actual placement of territories is exactly the same. It's just that obviously when you think look actually you're doing it makes hundred percent. Makes sense. Because what is on the normal Cold War map as air quotes China only has one supply centre, which is Peking. Or Beijing. Yeah. But to, for it to be a player, obviously they've added supply centres. Is there any other supply centres in, in, in Shanghai, Hanoi? Okay, so China starts with three. Yeah. Okay, and we've got what is it? Armenia has been renamed to I think Kurdistan, Kurd, Kurd, something. Kurd something. Kurd yep. something. So there's a name change. Um, Yugoslavia is the same. Actually, there's Al, um, Albania is a for a um, supply center for Al- the Soviet Union on. The Al- normal map. Yeah, and the redux Albania has been dropped. So yeah. Albania no longer has a supply centre. Um, it's e- look, it's, it's look at Africa. Uh, East Egypt, Libya, Tunis, North Africa is all the same. Um, Europe is the same. Yep. Uh, Leningrad still is North South Sea. Are there any changes in North America? I don't think so. It looks pretty normal to me. Yeah, that looks about the same. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. Panama. It's a... No, Panama is still a supply centre, so it's fine. Yep. Panama is still a supply centre. Yep. Brazil is still a supply centre. Okay, it's cool. Um, yes. So, okay. I mean, I, I when when um, Flame posted about this, I actually got excited because he said, oh, would you be interested in playing? And I was okay. like, ooh. But, and I originally, my first gut was, the first gut reaction was to get all excited about that one. And I was actually starting to craft a reply back to him saying, yeah, 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 really keen on this Cold War Redux version. Right. Not so interested in the, was it the Speedboats? Uh, Speed Europa. Europa Speed which, Europa. Yeah, this, yeah. Until I started looking at Speed Europa. And? And then I went... Oh, actually, I like Speed Europa more. So you've signed up to a Speed Europa game? No, I said to him I'd be actually interested in it, but as long as it was Gunboat and I didn't get a reply back from him. Oh. And it, the, the, the problem with the Russian side is it's... Um, That's why I want Gunboat. It's all Gunboat in Cyrillic and it's... Uh, yeah, Yeah, look, I, I learnt a year of Russian at university, but I wouldn't be able to communicate very effectively. No, 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 no. Uh, let's have a quick look at the Speed Europa. Yeah, pull that up. My my phone hasn't got much battery life left. Did you want to go grab some um, more oh, drinks whilst yeah, I just try to find that? Let's do that. Cool. It's like being at the local RSL and the meat tray raffles has been held. <laughs> 
Number 19. You are our first winner for this evening. That winner again is Mai Kim Lu, member number 924537. You'll have three minutes to present your Australian name game for the Dark Lodge Desk or Cobra Desk. Oh, sick. It's still recording. No, you paused it. No, it's still going up. Why is it saying 35 minutes? Oh, you did record it. But we've been talking more than 35 minutes. We have. Have we fucking missed shit? We have. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> when we pause that last? When we got. Last time they had a, a break? Were we still talking about Tracy? Or was it when we kind of started talking about whatever? Oh, fuck. I'm Kana. <laughs> oh, I'm Abby. Welcome to Diplomacy Games. <laughs> discombobulated Diplomacy Games. Oh, fuck. Games. Do we need to start again? Oh, jeez. I don't know where we need to start from. Oh. So, um, where were we? Uh, when did we pause? When? Should I press stop and just go back and... Can you read, can you listen to it? Sorry guys, we're, we're talking technical stuff on this. I don't know where there is. I don't know. Oh, we'll press stop and see what happens. And we're back. Uh, Cheers. We're back. And um, sorry for any technical difficulties that uh, you just might have experienced. Um, it just goes to show how... Inept we are. Inept at, at that technology we are at times. Um, so we're, we're talking, going to talk, we're going to talk about Speed, speed Europa. Europa. That's yep. cool. So this is, um, as I said before, I think I was originally interested in when Flame reached out around that Cold War game. Because I just looked at Europa, I just saw this map and went, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an almost seven standard, seven player classic map with probably couple of minor variations yep until i started actually looking at it a bit deeper yeah yeah because it looks like a it look, just looks like a european map yeah it's it like, is like kind a of standard diplomacy map yeah, yeah that's right yeah just at a first glance yeah first glance but when you start looking at it a number of the borders have pretty much most borders have dramatically changed and the whole idea i think between this is just to speed things up and provide so many more opportunities that for breakthrough that don't exist in the normal game. Okay, so so a change just jumps out at me just just initially is this change in the North Atlantic's Mid Atlantic Oceans that the, you, you can move, um, let's say your, your fleet and breast to the Mid Atlantic Ocean and then oh yeah okay and then it joins to Tunis so Tunis has changed North Africa so there's no we well, still got a North Africa but it's down in the south but it's dropped down but Tunis the supply centre is now adjacent to Mid-Atlantic. So there's... Oh, and some of these islands as well? Yep. So the Mallorcas and Shetlands and... Faroes and... Ireland, Iceland, they're all... Okay. But okay. I guess where that means is that that fleet in Brest, as an example, means that Tunis isn't a free kick for Italy. No. Because Italy can open to take Tunis, sure, but Brest can go to Mid-Atlantic, which gives access to, well, to Tunis with the yeah. way the new map, well, map works. But equally, Spain isn't a free kick for France any longer, is it? No, no, no. I suppose, yeah, because Gascony's now been extended out to Golf of Lyon. So, yeah, yeah. you've got to move what, um, Marseille to Gascony to then get to Spain. Which, actually, what do you think about that? Does does um 
Oh, and 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 and, and Kana and Kana. Yeah. So, with England moving, sorry, France moving Breston to Mid Atlantic, that's cool. You know, I could do that. Obviously, yeah. you got your normal Archie Bargy with England around English Channel. Yeah. But um, English Channel's taken over the RFC, by the way. Yes, and Heligoland Bight has extended into the southern part of North Sea. Oh. So North Sea can't just go into Belgium or Holland anymore. You have to make a conscientious decision to go to Heligoland. Which could be challenged by the German fleet in Kiel, which could move to Heligoland. Yeah, because now yeah. Kiel goes straight into... Kiel could go into... You could invade London. England. You could invade like, London. Germany. This is the thing that's interesting about this game. This yeah, varies. So, so, so let's say England moves to North Sea. Yep. Then France moves Brest to English Channel. Germany moves Kiel to Heligoland. Oh. France supports Kiel England to London. England could be crushed very, very quickly. <laughs> it's no longer an island fortress. No. Oh, okay. That, and you got all these other dynamics changing on the board too. So, like, you can't get... Like, even if you were England and you got your... Your normal thing across, you know, your army over to Norway and fall. Great, well done. You can't then just move straight into St. P in spring yeah, or challenge Finland, St. P. Finland now has a north coast and a south coast. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which, yep. Actually, what you could do is if you can kind of invade... Imagine this. You can kind of create a convoy line because, because North Atlantic extends... So... North Atlantic, normally on a normal board, is just in the top half of the Atlantic, and Mid Atlantic's in the bottom half. Yep. This is actually effectively, I reckon it would be better. It's almost like North Atlantic is like. Outer Atlantic. Well, the outer as Atlantic. As opposed to called, Inner Atlantic, yeah, yeah. I suppose. And Inner Atlantic. Nice. Yeah, that's, that's a much better way of describing it. Yep. So you could go from, like, okay, how about this? Let's say Italy moves a fleet into Tunis in fall, uncontested, okay? Well, even convoy and army to fall. No, 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 just, just, just go with the fleet. Okay, for a moment. That means in spring 902, it could move into the North Atlantic. Fleet NAO, yep. In fall, it can move to Barents Sea. And if it actually... <laughs> and if it had a convoy line, it could start convoying into <laughs> Siberia. <laughs> well, talk about a reverse Lepanto. That, that's a contorted Lepanto. <laughs> it's like so many twists and turns in the Lepanto, it's not funny. And oh, yeah, so you've got all these other changes combos. though as well. So okay, let's let's maybe maybe go through each of the yeah, the main countries the, one by one. Yes, okay. And then so, we'll just talk about the neutrals and how that's changed in other territories. So Russia has well, there's the change in Finland we spoke about. It's got an added territory called Siberia and the Volga, um, which are both east of Moscow and Sevastopol and St. Pete up so in the north. So normally you'd only invade Turkey via Sevastopol. Now you can invade via Volga. By Volga. Uh, the Black Sea's been split into two. Uh, so there's the Black Sea on the on the west and the Sea of Azov on the east. Uh, Bessarabia has been a new territory added. Um, and Ukraine has been dropped. So there's been some alterations there. Oh, yes. Yeah, um, you're right. Around the Galicia Romania space. Um, Turkey. And actually, when you think about this, oh, actually, I was going to say you could force Galicia as Russia between Warsaw and Moscow, but just as easily you could force Galicia from Austria as Vienna and Budapest. But you can't easily yeah. just move into. Normally you go Moscow, Ukraine, and then you can either start attacking Galicia or Romania. But Ukraine's been removed from being adjacent. Yeah, so adjacent. you can't just yep. 
do that. You'd have to either go into Galicia straight away from Moscow or Sev. And even then, you can't get into Romania. So it's not a guarantee. No. That's no. interesting. Um, there's been some changes in the Balkans, the, 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 the non-aligned neutrals. Romania's been split into two. No, That's three. No, Romanians got Romania and Wal- Wal- Wallachia. Oh, it's, yeah, okay, you're right, because yeah, Transylvania um, is technically part of Budapest. Uh, previously, Bulgaria's been split into two. Bulgaria, the supply centre, only has one coast, but Thrace has the two coasts, yep. north to south coast. Um, and the Aegean's been squashed and flattened to allow the Ionian to be adjacent to Smyrna. Ah, it does too. Yeah, you're right. Um, and has the Adriatic been moved, squashed out as well? Like, did the Adriatic go to the Albania? Yes, it did go to Albania. So now, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So now the Ionia is also adjacent to Trieste. So both Naples and Trieste can open to the Ionian. Naples, Trieste. Yeah, yeah, you know what that right. means? Yeah. Theoretically, Trieste can move to Ionian if it was uncontested. From there, it can attack Greece, Naples, Naples Smyrna, and Tunis. And Tunis. Well, it kind of makes it, well, it actually makes it quite interesting for a, a an Austrian, Austrian fleet. fleet. Yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. Um, Turkey has um, not a lot of changes. The biggest change would be the Syria has subsumed Smyrna. No, it has. Yeah, Syria's the western half sort of, of Armenia. Yeah, and is adjacent to Volga. So you could move an army Smyrna, Syria to the Volga, and be adjacent to Moscow and Sevastopol. Yep. Yep. Okay. And as we were saying before, with these extra islands within the Med, you've got oh, now you've got like a, a Cyprus, Cyprus and, Crete. and Crete are playable. Yep. But the whole Eastern Mediterranean now has been expanded. Oh, yeah. The so, Eastern Med goes from Tunis and North Africa all, all the way, way across over to, to Smyrna, Smyrna and Syria. Syria. Yeah, yeah. Isn't there another one in there? Another one, what? Between Smyrna and Syria on the board? No, I don't think so. No? No. 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 Um, In Austria. Austria has had some changes. Budapest has been added an extra territory to its east called Transylvania, which interacts interestingly with Romania and Wallachia. But Budapest is still adjacent to Wallachia, which is like the west part of Romania, but it doesn't have a straightaway supply centre to move to. Because normally you'd have you have the potential um, for conflict between Austria and Russia from spring, both yeah. contesting Romania. But now you can't. It won't be until fall. Yeah. And now you can't normally. But most, most it doesn't very happen because often usually Budapest goes straight to Serbia. But you can't actually do that straight away. You've got to move now from Budapest into Bosnia before you can attack Serbia. Yeah, which is a new added territory. That that territory has been kind of squashed between Budapest, Trieste and um, Wallachia, Serbia and Albania. Another interesting one going on is Vienna now is adjacent to Cilicia, effectively splitting Bohemia and Galicia from one another. I hadn't picked that up before. You're 100% correct, yeah. Which which could mean Vienna could support Warsaw into Cilicia in 1901, potentially. Mm -hmm. So there's interesting avenues there. And Tyrolia now um, has a coastline adjacent to Adriatic. So that... That territory, Tyrolia, now splits Venice from Trieste. So you can't attack each other in spring 1901. Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Um, 
Italy has lost Apulia and Tuscany. They've been Apulia has been subsumed by Venice, which goes all the way down, and Tuscany is now part of Rome. Both are supply centres. Naples is adjacent to the island Sicily, and Corsica and Sardinia have been added as islands, same as Majorca. Um, are we missing one here? The Tyrrhenian. Yeah, Tyrrhenian. Oh, what's going on there? Which is Tyrrhenian? Oh, which is I think Western there must Med? be. Tyrrhenian Sea, that there seems to be a, a placement issue here. Tyrrhenian Sea should actually be in this area here between Naples, Rome. Corsica, Sardinia, and Gopalion. So that that space there is yeah, where yeah, it should okay. be. So it's like the if you're looking at the normal map, the southern part of Tyrrhenian Sea should actually is now considered Western Mediterranean, and the north part of Tyrrhenian Sea is Tyrrhenian Sea. What's confusing is the fact that the words on this map are actually in the wrong spot. Oh, yeah, um, Switzerland's now a supply centre. Um, there's not a major change in France, but there is probably the most significant change is that Marseille can no longer move to Spain in 1901, spring. Uh, Gascony is a dual coast region. Yes. Which, which splits Marseille from spring. Although it doesn't uh, actually yeah. show north coast, sorry, east coast, west coast. It really should probably do that. I'm but sure anyway. it'll be coded. Yeah, probably um, We spoke about the changes in North Africa and the Atlantic coast. Um, Ireland, Iceland, Faroes, and Shetland are all navigable islands. Do we talk um, about the fact that England's now just England crunched down dramatically? It's been squashed, yeah. Wales is gone. Um, Clyde. Clyde is no longer Yorkshire. there. And Yorkshire, all gone. But Ireland's a playable territory. But Ireland becomes a playable territory adjacent to Liverpool. As does Shetland's Faroes and Iceland, like so before. Yeah. Um, English Channel has taken over I, uh, Irish, Irish Sea. sea. Yep. We spoke about illegal and um, Germany. Oh, hang on! What's going on here? This is. I just think I don't know why that happened because it just looks. Oh, maybe it's a case. Skagerrak's gone. Skagerrak's gone. Which is now wow. part of North Sea. So you could open Liverpool to North Sea, not Liverpool, but Edinburgh to North Sea. Yes. And be adjacent to Norway, Spring, Norway, Norway Sweden, Sweden, and Denmark. Denmark. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Germany's got a couple of added added supply, oh, added territories. There's, there's now Schleswig, uh, Schleswig, Schleswig between Schleswig. Kiel and Denmark. Yep. And Swabia, Swabia, Swabia. Yep. Which is a territory between Munich and Switzerland. Switzerland. Munich as well has been made adjacent to Picardy and Oh, it does too. You're Burgundy. right. Yeah. Yep. And Ruhr has been extended to become coastal, which makes it adjacent to the um, Heligoland, which splits Kiel from a sea from a spring move into Holland. Oh, Oops. Shit. <laughs> Can just press the wrong button. It's okay, Kayla. We're back now. Okay, we're back. Um, so that's... I think that's in a nutshell. Oh, and the GOT islands in Gulf of Bothnia have been added as, a, as, as territories. I think I've touched on all of it. Yeah. So would you play this game? Would you play this variant? Yeah, actually, looking at it more and more, I think I would. Um, I'd be interested just to see, I would love to see how it changes 
yeah. the dynamic. I, I would love to see this map done in a different style, though. Like, honestly, when I first look at it, it looks like a diplomacy board. But after that examination, it was a pretty exclusive, exhaustive examination, it looks very much the same. Mm -hmm. But yes, I think that would make a really interesting map to play around with. I think there's a lot of... Um, they're minor changes, but they're quite big changes. Absolutely. So I reckon um, if you kind of talk to someone like Joran over at Diplicity, you can do some pretty significant stuff there. We're saying it'd be really quite nice visually. Actually, I think Joran, for different, like like he, he spoke about being interested in different historical periods. Yep. 1648 might be a good variant for Joran to um, sink his teeth into. So why is that variant of a particular interest to you, Kane? Uh, well, I um, I just recently soloed this map. Oh, well done, well done. I think I, I think that deserves a drink. Another, another I'll get drink. you another drink. Now let me pause that. Yep. And we're back. Cheers. Okay. Yep. Um. So yes, you've had a win. Yeah, I had a win. You're a winner. I am a winner. You should go off to the fucking roulette table here. Yeah, put some money down and see what happens. Um. Yeah. So 1648. Set in Germany, it would make a really interesting map for Yoren to have a go at, I think, because it, oh, yeah. at the moment, it's only available in V Diplomacy. It's nowhere else is this, this variant available. Yep. Um, but it's got some really. Oh no, what, look, going back, when this first came out, it's in the early days of V Diplomacy. We must almost set. Oh, um, 10 years ago, wouldn't it be? Yeah, back, back when it was before, wasn't it? Ollie did. Ollie did. Um, and I had a few shots at it, and it was almost a—it's it's almost impossible to play this variant with the drop-down menus. Yeah, well, back then that's all we had, and that's all we. And it quickly became a variant that you know, love to give it a go, but it's a nightmare to make orders because of the way the territories are connected, and, and also we should probably mention in this particular variant there's no fleets and armies. There's armies, armies and, and, and knights. knights. Yeah, yeah. And knights are able to move is it two territories. Knights can move two territories. So, so whatever's adjacent to you, and then whatever is adjacent to that. That, yeah. And and the territories aren't made in a way that's easily visible to see what's next. Like, no, it's they're, like they're, one they're, of those. It's like one of those just random. Okay, if you got a, if you just got a random pizza. And there's random bits of shit everywhere. That's what, you know... Well, it looks like, a, medi like, like. like a medieval map of Germany. That's what it looks like. You know, well, different yes. powers owning what. Um, and, and, and there's very little rhyme or reason to it. But the... the, the okay, the difference that's, is... Based on dynastic The, the dynastic ownership, yeah. Ownership, yeah. Um, and I've got the winners, the Spanish Habsburgs, but there's the Austrian Habsburgs, Wettens, uh, the Hohenzollerns, uh, the Palatine Wichelsbachs, um, and the Ecclesiastics. Um, yeah, so it, it, the Ecclesiastic territories. And it it really does simulate 30 year war quite effectively because you've got the, these armies, like these armies, these, these knights which are zooming around the countryside. They can't control the cities. Yep. That's what your armies are for. There's like 17 cities for the armies to um, conquer and, and take over. But the, the knights can't help out with that. 
but it's getting your supply logistic in order to be able to take those cities and advance and so there's, there's two, no chances so to there's make two a types, there's two types of supply centers yes there's like a normal supply center that everyone understands yes and then there's cities which are like fortified areas that you said they start with the a knights. standing they start with a standing, standing army, army. Okay. Um, they function they're, they're just a supply center they're just a territory with the, with the supply center so the normal supply centers don't have a standing army no, just the, just the cities. And the cities, um, knights can't move to or support to. Right? Only armies can get into them. Um, which makes it, like, just the dynamics of it is really difficult. Like, fun. It's really come into, pl- like, it's really come into its own with the interactive maps. Because you can click on a, an army or, a, or a, a knight and see where the fuck it's adjacent to just just by clicking on it yep. it, it becomes a really really fun variant that simulates the 30 year war right okay so you shut the fuck up look this is one of the reasons why we don't kind of hang out in RSL clubs and you know footy clubs and things like that it because they have this a drink but there's interruptions all the time. Actually, yeah, it's, it's pretty cheap. Well, compared to other places. In comparison to isn't some it, places. That's, isn't the whole point, though, your casino, you make your, your drinks cheap, people get plastered, and they spend more. Spend yeah. more in the, the pokies yep. and the roulette yeah, table. They'll lose the po- it. Yeah. Yep. yeah, exactly. But, but anyway, back back to this. Back, back to, to this thing. Yep. So, I haven't looked at this variant for years. Because you probably had a go at it when it was all drop-down menus, and you went, oh... Actually, I did, use, I did use a lot of the code of this to develop Pirates variant. Oh, righto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it allowed Pirates variant was, you kind of, you, as you said before, 1648, there is no fleets per se. The fleets are actually coded to be something totally different called the knight and the behaviours. Yeah, it's a very clever visual trick. Yeah, that's right. Right, all of the, all of the land territories, what look like land territories, are actually coastal. Yeah, you're punking the code. Yeah, 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 exactly. So there's no actual sea territories on the map. It's all coastal yeah. or um, or land without coasts. Yeah. But the thing about this, which I'm actually quite interested now, I've been listening. Okay, you remember we we interviewed Zach Twomley from the When Diplomacy Fails podcast, who right, yeah. previously you know ha- had this amazing diplomacy experience in a in a caravan holiday when he was a teenager. Right. And he's been spending a shitload of time talking about the Thirty Years' War. Right. Oh, fuck's sake. Anyway. Um, talking about the Thirty Years' War. Thirty Years' War. So, I can't remember, it must be up to about episode 60 at the moment or something like that. <laughs> and you've been listening to it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, but, yeah, it's actually, in, in listening to that podcast and now hearing you talk about this game I'm actually quite interested to play you should revisit it you should revisit it It's, it's a lot of fun it 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 there's there's a change you have to do with with your uh with your strategy yep you can't like a normal diplomacy game you go okay I'm going to make my center and then I'm going to make a hard exoskeleton and I'm going to grow my exoskeleton out and conquer other territories oh, impossible with this and to stop it, it's just an impossibility on this on this variant and you've got to think okay 
you had to I found I had to do um, I had to be willing to allow attrition okay I know I can't hold this territory I'm definitely going to lose one supply center but my math makes it pretty certain that I'm going to gain two supply centers so I'm going to lose one but I'm going to gain an extra one so I'm actually up one Yep. And and the whole that the cycle works around like that. Have you found so, that you've got this like let's say for example you've got a supply center, you've been dislodged, let's say it's a it's a nine. Do you have your forward retreats? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Two do. supplies yeah. two territories. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. So one player dis dislodges you, as I say, Palatine, which will back dislodge you and you you've got an option to retreat. He's kept. He's covered his retreats because he knows he's going to, you know, dislodge you. But ah, but you can retreat oh, to some hey, other Inclusical, uh, <laughs> inclusical dynasty. Thank you very much. You know, I'll take yeah, yeah. some of your church lands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely plays a role. Absolutely. So you got to pay a lot of attention to who's attacking who and where. That's quite fun. Yeah. It, it's so would you? Okay. Really if, is, yeah. if I played a game of this, would you play it again? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely have another go on this variant. Would yeah, it yeah. be just gumbo only or what? Yes. I'm not going to do the mistake at this stage and what's happening craziness in line of committing to more than one full press game. So, so just gumbo? No, of committing to more than one. I'll, I'll commit to one. So what's your one at, at the a moment? time? I'm, I'm actually, I'm not actually committed to one at the moment. Full press. Yeah. So you do a full press game? I will. If you, if you set it up, I'll, I'll jump on. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. I will do that. Anonymous, so we don't know who each other's at. What if you're taking a shit? <laughs> and you hear your name come over the speaker saying you've got three minutes to get to the desk and you've won you, you 2,500. you better stop. <laughs> Squeezing hard, Squeeze hard and wiping fast. Feel <laughs> 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 oh, those sphincter oh. muscles before me. <laughs> what a nightmare! <laughs> oh dear me. Um, uh, I don't know who I feel worse for. The listeners who have to listen to this constant chopping or chop, cutting and chopping, or later on when I have to do this, all this fucking editing, getting rid of that shit. Um, Maybe it'll just be lazy to leave it in. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be fun. Um, just make it anonymous. Make the game anonymous. Anonymous? Yep. Okay, and then we'll jump in. I reckon I could pick your... Um... So, anonymous full press. Anonymous full press, yeah. I reckon I could pick your, uh, your, your writing style. My, my baseline. Your, your baseline your writing style. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have to be just aggressive to you from the get-go and see if you kind of throw you. Or maybe I might do a stilted English version of Hello. Yeah, 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 yeah. Run it through Google Translate a couple of times. See, um, oh. you know, just throw it off a little bit. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I know by fucking timestamps that we know I get your response. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that, that's probably what it is. Um, the other one I wanted to, to, to raise oh, yeah. Are but, you but, going but, to. Wait, 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 before you do that, so you won a game. How are you placed in the rankings? Oh. Yeah, not bad. Not bad, okay, that's not, good. Not, not bad. Um, I think I'm a little bit higher than you. Hey? Yeah, I don't want to brag, but you've brought it up. I mean... Um, well, actually, you, you, you don't like bragging. Oh, I've just been knocked out of 15th place. I'm now 16. Only I'm, I'm, 16? I'm only 16 on the, um, on the, on the all-time. 
Sorry, is this is the all time or the last six uh, months? Six months, six months. Sorry. Wow! Uh, 20 so, on the all time. So, yeah, going well, going well. Where are you at, Ambie? I am 48. 48. Okay. So, 1,887 points. As opposed to 2,156. And look, honestly, it's going to be a while until I claw that back a little bit because I think I'm only in two games at the moment. You know, you could join another game, which is just starting. Which is that 1648 game. Which, oh no, no, you're going to set that one up. But you could join um, the Mistletoe Grinding Shoe Polish Mud Cake game. That sounds like a... What the fuck's it called? I've had too many drinks. No, it's not. It's a... Um, oh, it's not. No, no, no. The, the cloak and uh, game. That, that, that sounds like a... That sounds like a game title for a cloak and dagger game. It does, doesn't it? Mistletoe grinding shoe polish mud cake. It's a Europa Renovatio. One day, 12 hours. So my concern, and I can't remember between all the chopping and changing and pressing pause and, and stopping recording, whether we lost on the tape the conversation about me going out west. Right. I think we, we may have we may not. I don't know. But, but, yeah, okay. but my so concern is start. due to the locations I'll be going in, yeah, there's a high be. chance even though I'm going to be putting a, a Telstra sim in here. So yeah. kind of at least sake. She does a very good job. This she knows she's okay. she reminds me yeah. of she sounds like the voiceover in Squid Games. I've never watched it. I haven't watched it. Um, no. It was a thing back back then. Last year was a thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like the year before that, it was like, you know, the Tiger King. It was Tiger King the year before, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm. Mine? Time flies. Anyway, go on. Go on. Yep. Uh, okay, so... Cheers, uh, <laughs> Kana. Oh, you're going to have fun with this one. Hi, Ambi. Fucking um, going to have a nightmare headache over this one. Yeah, all those stop and starts from the actual um, the audio recorder, which I'm just going to turn off right now. Yeah. Um, yeah stop wasting the battery. Because not only that, the memory card is now full. So now we've just moved to your uh, backup plan, which is the phone. Yeah, which makes me think that the patrons are going to say, fucking spend some money and get a bigger support. SD card. Get a bigger SD card. Yeah. Or, or get your shit together and fucking clear the, the card more often. Well, we are a small Australian outfit. We're a small Australian business. I say small business, but we're not even a business. <laughs> not even a business. No, just a thing. Bullshit. Just a thing that happens. Heads, um, yeah. Look, I think um, because the sound quality for you guys has probably just dropped, um, that we might... And, and we don't know whether it just last cut out, cut out, and we can't remember. And there's been a number of times where we and we're down on, we, on our fourth drink right now. So yeah, and and there was points where we thought we were talking when we were talking to a, a recorder that wasn't recording because we stopped, we got to press. <laughs> We've done that multiple occasions this we evening. We are so out of practice. It's not funny. Anyway, I am Kana. Uh, I'm Ambie, and we and promise we'll get better at this after um, 100 and whatever 11 episodes. You think we would have been better? We, we might be. We <laughs> might be right by 222. <laughs> get there, guys. Yeah. Alright, um, just drop us a like, drop us a um, don't forget to check out uh, Tracy at her websites, um, and it's great to 
great to talk to you guys. Drop us a line if you want to um, reach out, if you've got a topic you want to chat about. All right. Absolutely. <laughs> See ya. See ya. Bye-bye.